0: And welcome, and welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris.
1: And I'm Mr. Zeneca.
0: And we continue our coverage of The Addams Family with The Addams Family, with The Addams Family. <laughs> with Episode 8, the green-eyed, the Green-Eyed Gomez, Green-Eyed Gomez, which the title of that episode made me think it was going to be something else, and it was something else entirely i thought it was gonna be gomez with obsession with money or something but no we actually had no, honestly, it's jealousy th- yeah honestly you had the in my opinion the best episode of the adams family we've had so far
1: i do love this one uh this one is uh amazing for various reasons you know but before we get into it i'd like to start our focus topic which is pugsley now, Dr. Uh, who Chris, doesn't really appear
0: in the episode.
1: <laughs> no, th- there is there are no kids in either of the two episodes we're reviewing today, actually. Um, no kids in either of them, uh, so this is a little odd for, to pair this one here, but anyway, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Chris, do you know what Pugsley's original name was? And Probably uh, not.
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I thought... I, I, I... I remember hearing it before because I've met the actor who played Pugsley uh, a few months before he passed away.
1: Well, uh, Pugsley was not originally named Pugsley. And aside from what a lot of people may believe his original name was Pubert because that's the that's... name that he gave Filmworks. Right. Um, But it is not Pubert. And I'm going to blow some people's minds now. Uh, In 1962, Aboriginals Limited uh, created three dolls, a Morticia doll, a Wednesday doll, and an Irving doll. So Charles Adams chose the name Irving for the character Pugsley because uh, it was an homage to Washington Irving from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. But it wasn't a very funny name, so it was never suggested for the television show. Uh, that name was suggested as pubert, uh, because of puberty and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, that was rejected. Um, and then Pugsley was... can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine. Um, Pugsley was selected, and that is a name of a river in the Bronx that Charles Adams just... Really liked the sound of it, so Pugsley it became. Uh, Pugsley himself is uh, if Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes grew up with different parents, that's how I consider Pugsley. You know, he's got the striped shirt, the blonde hair, you know, darkish blonde hair, shorts, and a dark sense of humor. Uh, Calvin's parents are always frustrated, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> they're always frustrated, and tired over Calvin's antics. And uh, Morticia and Gomez approve of all of the antics. So, I think really it's the same type of archetypal character. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the first uh, instance of Pugsley in the Charles M's cartoons, you see him as a student in a workshop while everyone else is building bird houses and, you know, little toy trucks and whatnot. He's building a coffin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh so I th- I think that's uh June of 1943. Um so uh the where was I here? Uh Pugsley is like this rough and tumble kid that's always up to mischief. Uh he's a collector of the street signs and you do see that in the television show and it's also in most o- most other um illustrations of the Adams family. The ones who whose removal of the sign would spell danger or catastrophe for anyone else. So, like, no diving signs, high voltage, stop signs, detour signs, you know, this type of thing. And you see that in a cartoon from August 27th, 1949, on that. So, the blurb that Charles Adams actually gave uh, Filmways was... An energetic monster of a boy, about nine years old, blondish red hair, popped blue eyes, and a dedicated troublemaker. In other words, the kid next door. Genius in his own way. He makes toy guillotines, full-size racks, threatens to poison his sister, can turn himself into a Mr. Hyde with an ordinary chemical set. He is, nevertheless, easily controlled by Morticia, though Lurch and Gomez keep their backs to the wall at all times when he's around. His, yeah. ho- his voice is hoarse.
0: I remember that being a joke that uh, keep your, uh, when, when, uh, when Gomez Gorm- and Morticia are going out for the night, they tell the babysitter and always keep your back to the wall. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I'll keep you back to the wall.
0: <laughs> I have to end the podcast right now, though. No. There's been a national crisis emergency has just been announced. All of New England is in shock. Rob Gronkowski, catcher Lineman for the New England Patriots has announced his retirement, as of today. Oh. After four Super Bowls, sorry, five Super Bowls and four wins, <laughs> he is he is he is uh, I think I, I think he's got three with four wins. He's got a few Super Bowls under his belt. He is he is retiring. Anyone who's Rob Gronkowski is he is one of the he's been one of the best players for the New England Patriots since 2011. Um and gone to every Super Bowl since 2011, but he is accident prone like crazy. The guy has been injured so many times.
1: Well, that's probably why he's retiring.
0: Yeah, it's 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 long overdue, and he's younger than Tom Brady if you can believe that.
1: Oh, <laughs> Tom wow. Brady
0: is going to be 42 this year and still playing. Wow. Yeah. So. I'm going to probably edit this whole part out. I just had to say that. <laughs> not relevant. Whatsoever. We're not talking about football. If, we, if, if, if the Addams Play we played football in this episode, yeah, it would be more relevant. All right. So go on about Pugsley.
1: Okay. Uh, so, a fun fact. Uh, Pugsley is a murderer.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, well, like they all are.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not something that they expressly state in the show very often, you know, when something like that happens. But it is stated in the show. Uh, that when he was a toddler Pugsley accidentally disintegrated Cousin Creep with a disintegration gun Uh, Fester remembers there he was giggling and laughing suddenly there he wasn't still giggling and laughing it was kind of eerie (laughs) Uh, on the hang tag for the Aboriginals Limited dolls uh, the description for him is uh, very similar Uh, quote Wednesday's child is full of woe unquote so the woe begone little girl is Wednesday. She is romantically pale because she was brought up in the cellar of the creaky old Adams Mansion. Irving, her little devil of a brother, has a permanent evil flush. Imagine their childhood, the black magic lessons, the Sunday suppers of two-headed roast pig, the pet octopus. Then there's Morticia, the mother. The less said about her, the better. Nice people adore these characters. Nasty people think of them as gleefully, evilly, shivery companions in their all their wicked schemes and I agree so that's all I'm going to say on Pugsley for right now
0: so uh, let's get to the episode description
1: okay the episode is Green-Eyed Gomez originally aired November 6th 1964 when Morticia's childhood friend Lionel Barker visits Gomez views him as an old beau and current rival Fearing here and Morticia might run off together, Gomez hires Mildred, an awkwardly man-crazy maid, to pour Lionel from Morticia, which doesn't work. When Morticia catches Gomez giving Mildred love lessons, she thinks her marriage is on the rocks, What neither realizes that Lionel is a white-collar con man out to bilk Gomez.
0: So, I'm to get it right off the bat. The maid character is a stereotype of the television era and of women's... Uh, Trap, I call it, of the time. Yeah. Man 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 crazy, husband crazy, baby making crazy. Because yeah. of World War Two, women were basically written this way in fiction because they were kind of this way in life, too. I mean, not all women, not I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. But when the guys came home from war, Whether it be World War II, Vietnam, but mostly World War II, it was time for the women to get husbands and produce children.
1: Yeah, that's how the whole baby boom, you know, baby boomer generation, that's it.
0: Because we we had to make up for what we lost in the war. Well, the war, we lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Recently, by the way, this has come back up because the census, which I know these aren't always accurate, but Mm -hmm. there's a population shortage in the United States of America as of the most recent kind of polling based on hospitals. This isn't the census that you don't want to fill out, you throw right in the garbage, but this is based on actual data they can pull from hospital records in the United Mm -hmm. States that there is a baby shortage happening. And uh, Generation X, which is kind of currently doing things you know uh which is our age right now yeah uh the generation generation. below us uh whatever it's called generation moron um (laughs) sorry can't help it everything's offensive to me that's the current generation doesn't want to have babies Um... and that's fine but wondering how long that's gonna last when uh this becomes children of man all of a sudden
1: no, it it it's not like that. It's just because the population is no longer in a pyramid-style shape doesn't mean that we're really in serious trouble. I don't know. I I don't think we're in trouble. I think at we're all.
0: in deadly danger of becoming children of men.
1: No, not at all. Okay. Do you not know what, at all. Do
0: you even know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yes,
1: yes I do. Where okay. everyone becomes infertile and and uh you know then suddenly one person is, Ends up pregnant and hidden and trying to get to this ship on the ocean with all sorts of scientists and whatnot. And yeah, it's a wonderful, great, wonderful movie. But we're in no danger of losing population like that.
0: Yes, great movie starring uh, is it Clive Owen? I think yeah. Um, so this character she comes into later in the episode. Uh, Gomez points out that he carved uh, Morticia's name into his leg when he saw her riding side saddle on a buffalo
1: side saddle on a buffalo yes
0: nothing more romantic than that
1: (laughs) well i mean it it depends on the context of which he saw her but imagine you're out on the great plains and she's riding side saddle on a buffalo bareback and you know that's that could be very sexy you know (laughs) is it worth carving someone's name into your leg Mm -hmm. i guess depends on, on how you consider it yeah I want to
0: point out a continuity error. Eventually, that we will see Gomez's bare legs, and I expect to see that carving. <laughs> I call foul on the writers of the time when there was no continuity. Anyway, so moving right along, no mattress, natural wood. They don't fuck mattress. I know they're weird, but still.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they go a little overboard here and there. If that, um, mor- if
0: that Morticia's dame is as weird as this house, he calls her a dame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh wait, I'm sorry. That that does not mean anything derogatory. A dame is like a knight.
1: <laughs> dame yeah. Judy
0: Dench, anybody? <laughs>
1: there, there's a lot of uh, 1960s uh, sexist comments in this one.
0: <laughs> but how did dame, which is a term for a female knight, like Sir, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Sir Christopher Lee or Sir Anthony Hopkins? How did that become, go from being a, a, a title of honor to something derogatory that you really you don't hear anymore today, other than maybe in a joke? Them uh, dames I, on campus.
1: I don't know. I mean, anything can be an insult depending on your vocal inflection. So, more people do that vocal inflection, it therefore starts to have that connotation. Ugh, dame. You know, you can, it's no longer a position of honor it's now an insult you know how did the word bitch be used for for women it's just a dog but there you go
0: true yeah um uh so he calls her a game which is kind of funny and he's obviously a swindler gomez is uh uh points out that a man seldomly gets the wife he deserves (laughs) Also a little sexist, but um, kind of funny, I guess. I mean, the same thing could be said for a woman. A woman seldomly gets the man that she deserves, the husband that she deserves.
1: Well, there's always that that, uh, curse, may you get everything you deserve. But I also think
0: this is a time period where people just got married to sell. And they didn't actually... That's why a lot of people are getting divorced, from certain time periods, years later, because they just settled for somebody, and nowadays it's like I don't want to just settle for, her. you know. Oh, we have a, we have stuff in common, but am I really attracted to her? Do I really want to be with her? Oh, I'll just settle for it because I don't want to be alone. I mean, I've done that. I'm I'm single, and <laughs> God damn me, I I've, I've done that. You know, and and it that's terrible.
1: I mean, in this case, Mildred is definitely settling because you know she's basically going to be partnered with a con man who's trying to swindle her out of her money you know that's definitely a sign that someone has settled you know not seeing the warning signs right in front of her face you know as soon as, soon as it was seen that she was into stocks and and had some knowledge Lionel just kind of jumped onto her but uh, all throughout this episode gomez is in this kind of cute pathetic sadness that his marriage is falling apart because Lionel keeps making some sort of advances towards Morticia in this slight slight way but not not really serious
0: um i think there's a lot of people who would like to jump on morticia <laughs> <laughs> uh so it brought up the question I'd asked uh, before we started recording: Did Lionel and Morticia have a relationship? And you said that they were like they were old friends when they were kids, but it seems like there is some illusion that they were they were friends when they were teenagers or young adults.
1: It, it might have been young adults, and she's just saying childhood friend to soften it for Gomez. Um, but the poem that Lionel recites uh, to Morticia—that is what Gomez confuses as being real—is um, quote. Morticia, you are the only one for me. I know I shall always want you for my very own. Unquote. Now, that's not a very good poem, but it is a very clear statement, and that's what Gomez hears and confuses at that for being what's in reality and starts this whole miscommunication episode. <laughs> Another line that I thought was very funny is uh, Gomez... Uh, right after kind of finding out this revelation um it's gnawing at my insides like a tiger gnawing on an antelope i wish it would stop i'm beginning to enjoy it and <laughs> and what he describes there is kind of the humiliation enjoyment of you know the situation or like a um I, I don't know if you want to call it like a cuckold type of type of humiliation enjoyment but that's kind of what it is my take on it. <laughs> um,
0: Gomez. It, Gomez's jealousy is so funny.
1: Yes. Yes, he's definitely very jealous. Um, Sabotage is the room that Lionel is supposed to sleep in, so instead of the flat wood that's all comfortable for the Adamses, it's a soft feather bed and all of that. And they managed to change the room in just a few moments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gomez also That's attempts magic. to commit suicide several times and it's probably one of the few times you could actually make fun of suicide in a very light way
1: yeah, yeah he's, he's so sad like uh, Fester tries to shoot him and it's, he shoots him with a water gun and then he's holding the, the target in front of his chest cigar hanging out of his mouth he's soaked from the last shot and you know Fester of co- is of course you know no, not a very good aim, so he misses. And, um, Gomez says to, says to Lurch, It's no use, Lurch. Apparently I'm doomed to live.
0: <laughs> and he's got the, uh, the, the... He tries to hang himself with the rope that is from a, uh... Like an a uh, Indian snake dancer.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, you throw the rope up in the air and it's attached to nothing, but yet you can like, climb the rope. I've never seen that trick in person, but it was a famous uh, sideshow trick.
0: Yeah, I don't think that trick actually works. <laughs> I,
1: I don't think so. I, I mean, it's a trick. You know, that's the whole thing. It's a trick. You know, but, uh, yeah, the, the rope doesn't really work to be a Haman's rope.
0: Uh, Gomez decides to hire the, uh, maid from a temp agency, (laughs) employment agency, but basically it's like a a temp agency, and she's like the most annoying person ever, because, uh, she doesn't think she's gonna fit into the Adams Family house, and then Gomez mentions that there's a, uh, uh, a single man for her to marry.
1: Yes, yes, and surprisingly enough, though, the actress that does, does this Mildred role, this was her last role. What yeah, had she, she got done prior of, to it? Uh, her IMDb is nothing else after that, so...
0: What did she do prior to it? Uh,
1: she did... Wait a
0: minute. Well, you're looking at it, I'm going to look up Del Moore, who plays uh, Morticia's former beau. Uh, he was a TV newsman on episodes of the Batman television series, had also worked on Dragnet, The Jerry Lewis Show... Uh...
1: Uh, Good Guys, uh, The Family Affair, Adam-12.
0: Yeah, um, bit part actor in most of television. Those are pretty much two, uh, those are uh, pretty much, those are our, those are our two guest stars for the entire episode.
1: Yeah, so, um, she was on, uh, Pete and Gladys, The Flintstones, as voicing, voicing a nurse and a kid, um, My Sister Eileen, Playhouse 90, The Bob Cummings Show, Duffy's Tavern, I Marry Joan, uh, so uh, Mr. Belvedere Goes to College, and that was in
0: 1949.
1: So goes to college? <laughs> yeah, not the, not the Mr. Belvedere of the 80s.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, the Red Skeleton Show. This, so this, this role was the last of her career in film. Huh. When did she yeah. die? Uh, 2011. Oh, wow, she... Yeah, she had to
0: have done stuff afterwards to live till 2011.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but maybe not in, not in the entertainment industry.
0: Maybe not. The uh, Gomez uh, gives her like some advice, and Morticia walks in on it in the most threes company kind of way.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know, he's he's dipping her and she walks in assuming that they're kissing and and uh gomez's affections although have been hot for her now or are, are, are towards mildred and so she gets confused and what's beautiful about their miscommunication in all of this is that it's not a fight. It is basically both of them giving up the other in order for the other person to be happy. And that is the definition of love, is that you love something enough to make sure that that, you know, the object of your affection is happy, regardless of if they're, if you're a part of that happiness equation. And so at the very end, when they realize this miscommunication, you know, it is, you know, all love and and you know they don't have to have the parting of the ways. And uh, so Gomez says uh, to her after they figure out this miscommunication, "I nearly did an impulsive thing, my dear, but my guardian spirit was looking after me. Somebody down there likes me. Somebody up here likes you too, Bubba."
0: <laughs> Gomez <laughs> so and Maritza speak- never kiss each other on the mouth, do they?
1: Uh, I don't think so. But I don't. I don't really recall. It might come up, but I. I don't think so.
0: It just it never looks like they do. I mean, they're like necking each other and in their they arms, touch. and sure. they're touching each so, other like not inappropriately for TV at this time. But they're still like they're grabbing onto each other, but they never kiss on the mouth.
1: Yeah, I. My memory is spotty, but uh, we'll find out if they do or as we watch the show.
0: I mean, this is what led other people to say that they could possibly be cousins, and they're not kissing on the mouth because that's, you know, cousins wouldn't do that. Of course, they wouldn't do a lot of things, but still.
1: (laughs) What? If they are cousins and have kids, then why wouldn't they kiss each other on the mouth? That's just ridiculous.
0: It's what I read on the the internet. Oh, the internet is wrong. Um, So, Mildred, by the way, pulls up the stock market, and I was wondering how the stock market did in 1964 for her to say, the stock market's up. And the only thing I could find in 1964 that would really have affected the stock market in any kind of way, good or bad, but I'm assuming good, was the election of Lyndon B. Johnson, um to uh to uh for president of the united states again
1: yeah i mean i don't know the specifics of how the market did react at that time but this was november 1964 and in november it's usually a very bullish meaning you know stock market is going up uh type of month Mm -hmm. um just is this cyclical thing every year you know so november is usually a pretty good month so uh, Mildred commenting on the stock market kind of gets Lionel's ears perked up and they swiftly swoops in on that bird and takes her away to get married at the Justice of the Peace.
0: I I looked up everything else that was happening um, before the events of the episode in 1964 not a whole heck of a lot happened in uh, October of nineteen sixty four now again, I was only going through November, but October of nineteen sixty four would which would have affected the stock market for the time the episode aired in october um eighteenth summer olympics um yeah, not a lot happening in October unless I'm completely missing something
1: yeah. I don't know how the stock market was doing specifically, but uh, yeah Yeah. Um, at the very end in order to prove that Gomez can write some poetry for Morticia, he writes his own little sonnet when the blazing sun has turned to mud and the moon lies dead in a pool of blood, and the tom-tom beat of eternity starts whom will I love in my heart of hearts Morticia Uh, so sweet I love this episode.
0: Oh, what could have affected this? No, this wouldn't have affected us I'm just uh, there was an underground nuclear test in Mississippi. Which makes you think, wow, I didn't know there was an underground nuclear test in Mississippi. Oh,
1: well, maybe. Do we know, know
0: what um town or part of the country the Adams family were living in?
1: That I do not know. Off okay. the top of my head. I'd ha- I'd have to dig into my my notes here.
0: What does the license plate say on the Adams Family car? <laughs> <laughs> That's what someone might point out, going, oh, right here. Um, there's got to be enough clues in the episodes. It's like the Simpsons. You know, there's not like, oh, there's, oh, well, we know the Simpsons live in Springfield, but where? Because every state has a Springfield.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's, but it's narrowed down to Springfield, Oregon.
0: Uh, I thought it was narrowed down to Springfield, Vermont.
1: No, Oregon. There there's like a whole like film theorists thing on it. You should you should take a look at that. Yeah, but in, it's it's Oregon.
0: In the Simpson movie, Ned Flanders points out to Bart like the four states that border Springfield. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they don't border anything. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> but I think okay, so my memory's playing tricks on me. Vermont Springfield, Vermont was where they premiered the Simpson movie because they won the uh there was like a national contest and mm-hmm. Springfield, Vermont won the contest to premiere the Simpson movie.
1: Ah. Yeah, but uh, I I will I will find out and I'll I'll have that info ready out of my many many books of notes that I've taken.
0: So you can get married to the just with the justice of the peace that quickly, huh? Apparently so. Oh wow! Well, that's pretty much it for this episode of the uh for, for this episode of uh, the Adams Family. We're going to take a quick break with some plugs for other podcasts here on the Dead TV podcast coverage of the original Adams Family.
1: Hello and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, then rank them from best to worst your dedicated hosts Sarah and Ben bring you a new episode each week covering the history of film through a horror lens from silent to sound and black and white to color and the social and cultural context surrounding them scream scene is your well-researched in-depth and respectful dive into the horror movies of old Join us, Creatures of the Night, by subscribing to Scream Scene on iTunes. And visit our website, ScreamScenePodcast.tumblr.com. You'll be dying to subscribe. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It'll be a hell of a good time. Better? It'll lift your spirits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're back with uh, Adam's Family. The New Neighbors Meet the Adams Family originally aired November 13, 1964. Newlyweds Hubert and Amanda Peterson move into their delightful new home, but when they find themselves right next door to the Adams estate, they straight away want out of their one-year lease, especially after Uncle Fester's surprise welcome-to-the-neighborhood visit through their living room floor. Unfortunately for them, the owner is none other than Gomez Adams, whom they must grin and bear for as long as it takes to be released. If ever from their lease
0: so how much property do you think the Adams family owns?
1: Oh I mean a lot a lot uh, if you if you gather all of the property that's mentioned throughout the television series and through the uh, comic book where they actually own pretty much all of Central Park, I mean they are rich in property that is for sure
0: yeah I mean Adams is able to. Gomez is able to even buy his company later on in the episode like the uh the scene in Batman begins where Bruce Wayne like buys the hotel immediately so he could change the pool the pool policy so his supermodels can, you know, play in the pool. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know,
0: it's not a question of money, Mister Wayne. He's just like, well, I'm buying this hotel <laughs> and step a second to his coat, and I'm gonna have change the rules about the pool policy, and then he joins his supermodels in the pool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and what's what's so surprising is like he. Gomez buys it because the excuse that they're moving to Japan or whatever. Uh oh, oh. yeah. Uh, he, um, he buys it and doesn't check into him being an employee or whatnot. Just knows that that is the place where this guy works and he's going to buy it and just, and make him do whatever he wants him to do. I didn't particularly like this episode. Um, it's, uh, to me, the, the type of, uh, overstepping their bounds that the Adams uh Gomez Adams and Morticia do in this episode seems to be a little bit too forceful for me.
0: A little annoying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean we, we this is a, an episode without the kids, so it's only just the the adults in, in the family and uh, they greet the neighbors by uh basically they're washing aristotle in the yard and tempting them to come out and say hi and then this is their this is their wedding night and at every turn gomez and morticia believe that uh they need some sort of extra help or you know tucked into bed oh i don't know you know it's it's they think that they can that their help is what's needed in the situation for their wedding night. Ugh.
0: Yeah, we never get to know what company the guy works for either. And uh, they got married at a justice of the peace like immediately, so it seems like they weren't exactly dating very long.
1: No, no, and and the how how the two people interact with one another seems very hostile. And like, I will leave right now if you don't get us out of this lease. So, she didn't really like him. I mean... <laughs> I
0: guess courtships courtships back then don't last as long as they do now. People will wait years before they get married. Courtships were months, and then they got married.
1: Back then, in the 60s? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty much where you didn't cohabitate until you were married.
0: Uh, well, not just the 60s, but the 50s, the 40s? All, yeah, I, mean, I mean,
1: yeah, all all the eras.
0: Up until divorce started becoming a a thing uh someone told me that it wasn't until the 70s that people started dating for years before they would get married
1: oh wow yeah
0: it wasn't until the 70s they said it was the 70s that's when a lot of things changed and uh also it wasn't just you know and and that goes for like any that's also when like um they weren't as worried about what their parents were thinking when they were dating because by the seventies, you know, interracial marriages were becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were marrying, you know, sweethearts they met over in Vietnam. Uh, black and white was marrying, you know, which was, you know, incredibly unheard of, but you know, it was becoming more and more common.
1: hmm Yeah, lo- lots of change and interflux, and just the idea that uh, they would elope move into a place, and kind of have this hostility towards each other, he gets the place sight unseen from her, so her opinion didn't factor into the decision on where they're going to live at all. And she's upset about it, rightly so. And uh, Gomez and Morticia are just trying to make them feel comfortable by interjecting themselves into their relationship. Have you? Yes.
0: Have you ever played Bridge before?
1: I have not. It's one of the few games that I haven't played.
0: I remember growing up, my parents, you know, uh, playing bridge, or my mother, uh, her sisters, and my grandmother all playing bridge together while the kids, you know, all the grand, you know, all the kids or whatever, my cousins or whatever, and I all were playing when we were children. Uh, I have vivid memories of that, but I've never played it myself.
1: Our family had a game called Oh Hell, and that was basically like a, a- – 10 card, working your way down to one, one again, and back up to 10. And it was a whole lot of, you know, semi betting. So not quite like Bridge. The actresses in this, or the actor and actress in this episode, uh, Cynthia Pepper is our uh, newlywed wife. And she seemed to be in a lot of uh, television back then. Um, What was
0: she in that we would know? I don't have the IMDb up, so what uh, what was she in that she, well, we would know?
1: She was in the Jimmy Stewart show, The Flying Nun, uh, My Three Sons. She was Jean Pearson, so is a, a long-standing character there. Perry Mason, uh, Kiss and Cousins, Wagon Train, uh, Bourbon Street Beat, which was a television show. The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, one of my mom's favorites, and her last. Uh, filmography listing here is Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous, as a tourist woman, and that was in 2005. It doesn't show that she died, but uh, you know she just is not acting. And that was actually her. Uh, let's see, 2005 she had an acting bit, and then before that was 1979. So huge break between the the roles, and that was for a TV movie, Crisis in Midair the newlywed husband, Peter Brooks, not a lot on his IMDb. Uh, In fact, his last role was on Hogan's Heroes in 1968. Uh, But he did appear on Batman as Machine Gun for two episodes.
0: Machine Gun? That was a
1: character on Batman? Apparently so. (laughs) Machine Gun. Okay. Uh, Wait, Wait,
0: the husband appeared on Batman as a villain?
1: I think that's a villain. It sounds like a villain.
0: No, no, okay, so but the husband did.
1: Yes, the husband. Okay, so the husband...
0: That's so weird, because if you look at most of the villains on Batman, they were older than Adam West. And that guy is really young.
1: Maybe Machine Gun is one of the sidekicks or lackeys to a big bad guy.
0: Maybe, but God, you look at Joker, Penguin, Riddler... Uh, you know the accession of Catwoman, uh, you know uh, Mister Freeze, and all those villains. Just they, they, they were definitely looked older than the uh, Batman and Robin themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't Commissioner Gordon or Alfred, but they were definitely older than Adam West because they, you know, they all died before West.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway,
0: so um, what about the uh, what about the uh, real estate agent? Do we know him from anything?
1: The real estate agent, uh, Mister Wentworth. Uh, is played by Eddie Marr, and Eddie Marr, uh, unfortunately, d- is deceased. He passed on in 1987, but uh, to his credit, he's got his last role, which was uh, a long-standing one, on The Bob Hope Show. He played Joseph Joan callford Chauffeur and Reporter, uh, but a lot of episodes between 1956 and 1972. Uh, he was also on Land of the Giants and The Munsters. Uh, he was quote-unquote the man <laughs> in the Munsters episode Herman's Lawsuit, 1966. Uh, he oh, was, the
0: man, like we, we refer to the man like the government.
1: I guess. <laughs> I don't remember that episode, clearly, but uh, yeah, the Munsters. Uh He was also on The Twilight Zone, Bachelor Father, Dennis the Menace, and Leave it to Beaver. Um, a pretty lengthy career that started in, ooh, 1937.
0: It's funny. We're on the eve of the relaunch of the Adam of uh, the Twilight Zone with uh, Jordan Peele as the host.
1: Ooh, I can't wait! I can't wait.
0: That's CBS so All fun. Access app first episode starring Adam uh, Adam. What's his name from Krampus and Parks and Rec?
1: Yes. Oh, I, uh, I can't and, wait! It's going to be great.
0: And it's a direct sequel to. Um, william shatner's famous gremlin episode about the guy in the plane the thing on the wing because he's actually investigating trying to prove that these gremlins exist
1: Ooh, i like that yeah there's a
0: shot of him going through airport security and then a quick shot of the decapitated head of the gremlin washing up on the uh the beach
1: ah it's gonna be so good okay
0: yeah, and they look like it looks like they use the original costume too. They don't look like well, maybe not the original, but you know what I mean. They look the like they use the design, huh? Uh, the
1: the gremlin from the Shatner episode, the big fluffy one, or the yeah, gremlin yeah. from the, the John Leskow.
0: The decapitated head that washes up on the beach shore and in the, in the trailer looks like just like it. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: Yes. Um. So in back to the episode here. Uh. Now, Fester comes up Pugsley's tunnel because uh, Gomez-Adams owns this house and Pugsley has a tunnel that leads to their living room floor. Fester pops out after knocking a few times and uh, the bride hits him on the head with a frying pan. Because, you know, what else would you do with a home intruder? Right. Uh, But then it's not long after that they find out that Gomez-Adams is the landlord, and uh, they come over, try to make nice, and Morticia just offers uh, Cousin Farouk's taxidermied foot and swordfish uh, sculpture, I guess, uh, to them as as a wedding present, along with the two-headed turtle and the moose Pierre with the twisted antlers. It's like... We just had an episode where they told us expressly Cousin Farouk's backstory and then they're going to give him away. Right. But luckily, they didn't keep him. At the end of the episode, all the items were returned back to the family.
0: Yeah, they definitely wanted nothing to do with any of that stuff.
1: I'm surprised, too, because uh, Gomez actually hangs a Salvador Dali painting on the wall. Like, that would be worth keeping. Did you notice that Every time Gomez checks his watch, he always checks both his wristwatch and his pocket watch at the same time, and they're different times. They display different times, if you look closely.
0: I did not notice that.
1: Yes, that's, that's something that John Aston really added to the character. So every time, no matter what, if he's asked the time or he needs to check the time, he will check the pocket watch and the wristwatch, and they're both wrong times.
0: The husband seems like a good uh, a good man, but the wife kind of seems like a bitch.
1: well, wouldn't you be too if you were your opinions and your choices are not really entered into the equation? I mean, she even says, um you know to love and to honor is one thing, but why did they have to say obey?
0: Wait, when did they say obey?
1: Well, she makes the mention when you know he's trying to get her to go along with making nice to the Adams family. And she complains, you know, you know, they. I'm okay with light with um. Uh, do I have the ex- exact quote here?
0: Uh, no, no, I heard her say yeah. it, but it's like, where in the wedding vows does it say obey?
1: Uh, that used to be a thing, yeah, to love, to honor, and to obey instead of cherish.
0: Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, you would obey your spouse either way. I mean, you would both mm, recite it. So not you really. You both obey each other.
1: Not really. Like I don't it know. was way different in the sixties, for sure. The woman was supposed to obey and take the direction of whatever the man was supposed to do, what they want her to do.
0: And... Oh, the good old days of oh, misogyny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Morticia, she she's, you know, a little distraught that the neighbors are not being so friendly or warm with them. And she says after all, they're newlyweds. I should have been over there a long time ago with a pot of henbane soup, some of my dwarf's hair cobbler, and marital advice. They just got married. Do they really need marital advice?
0: Um, I mean, considering how long the Adams family have been married, uh, Gomez and Morticia, I mean, possibly. Maybe it's that old, like, whole, like, the village needs to help the newlyweds kind of thing.
1: Well,. They were, Gormans and Morticia were married in 1952. So they okay. were celebrating their 13th anniversary in an upcoming episode. So, um. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're married It, it also years.
0: kind of reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of Dharma and Greg. When Dharma and Greg would, uh, got married, they would have a, uh, they'd have so many more people butting into their brand, brand new newlywed wives. Of course, they got, like, justice of the peace the day they met each other, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the whole joke of Darmen Greg, as you know, her being like the flighty, you know, hipster, you know, love child type of chick, and him being the uptight lawyer from a, you know, rich prestige, you know, prestigious family, mm-hmm. and they got they uh they hooked up and they got married the same day.
1: Yeah, well, for some people it can work, but uh, was wasn't Darmen Greg? Uh, was he gay or bisexual?
0: On the show, in real life. On the show. No. No. Okay. No, this was the uh, early 2000s, so we weren't quite that progressive yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, the guy from Criminal Minds and Jenna Elfman. Okay. So. Uh, anyway.
1: So in in the in their exuberance over the newlywed couple, they shower them not with rice but with lizard teeth, and Gomez yeah. Gomez makes a, a quip about it being a ritual in the Amazon. And we found out from previous, previous episode that there is a tribe of Adamses in the Amazon, so. Is that true,
0: though? Do the, do the, uh, do tribesmen shower? No, of course the not. Newlyweds? What?
1: No, of course not.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know. I don't know anything about the Amazon.
1: No, uh, the whole showering of, of newlyweds is kind of a Western thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, they and they, they certainly wouldn't use lizard's teeth. uh oh, okay. So I I don't really have many more notes for this episode. This one wasn't no, very. He, yeah. It, this is the first instance though where Morticia actually smokes. So. You know. Yeah. Also,
0: I thought she was like laying out a big fart, and it was just smoky. <laughs> I mean, it's coming oh. up from her, it's coming up from below, and she just sits there, just like, "Can I smoke?" And I'm just thinking, "Wow, she is just farting."
1: <laughs> oh no. That's the way she smokes. It's kind of a you know, since Adam's. What joke. is she smoking
0: from? I don't want to know. I mean, is it like a Monica Lewinsky thing? I don't. <laughs> no,
1: I I think it's supposed to be like a a trick of spontaneous combustion.
0: Oh, okay. Because like you only can smoke from one place, but again, Monica Lewinsky was able to do it from someplace else. But that's.
1: <laughs> I give her a hard time. Um, I don't know. I
0: watched that scene, and I'm just like, "Where the fuck is she smoking from?" Or is she, and then I thought again, she's spontaneous combusting.
1: The one part uh, towards the end of the episode that I found uh, really good is uh, Morticia reprimands Thing for rage quitting a game of cards. So Thing has its own emotions.
0: <laughs> yeah, Gomez offers him a cigar.
1: Yeah, I was like, "Oh, forgot you. You can't. You can't smoke.
0: You can't smoke. You're just a hand." <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the episode.
0: That is pretty much it for this episode of the Dead TV podcast. You can check out the rest of our episodes on radiohorror.com and you can find us on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast. Uh, I had an interesting comment from somebody on on Twitter saying they will not listen to any podcast that does not have a female lead or a female co host. I was like, oh, okay. Well, here's a whole bunch that do.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, he
0: wasn't directing it at me, but uh, uh, Serena, who will be joining us for uh, the Radio Horror Network of Shows with uh, the upcoming uh, Goth Girl Horror, a hack slash podcast, uh, had tweeted to her. And I uh, mentioned saying that. Oh, I, I'm uh, I'm going to be doing this and so on and so forth. So awesome!
1: Oh, thank you all for listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. We really appreciate
1: I, you and yeah. and help us out on Patreon and uh, rate us on iTunes.
0: Yes, definitely rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and uh, you can send us an email at thatradiohar at gmail dot com. And I'd like to thank Wicked Chronic and Lantern for their contributions to the show as well. And we'll be back next week with two more episodes of The Addams Family.